Hey everybody, welcome back to the Extra Podcast. This is episode number 278. My name is Paul, one of the pastors here at Northview, and I also have Pastor Kyle. Hey Paul, good to be here. Glad to have you back, man. Thanks. It's been a while. Yeah, but it's good to be back. Good. good to have you. And of course, Jeff. Doctor. Jeff. Yeah. Doctor. Doctor. But not everybody remembers. In the house. The doctor is in the house. Two doctors are in the house. Oh, that's true. Kyle's a doctor, but he doesn't claim it as much as I do. He's not the preening, self-interested man that I am. <laughs> Although, uh, Kyle, you were talking about going with the no shave in terms of uh, not just the face, but the top mm. of the head, right? Um, no, I tried the top of the head for a number of months last... Uh, the no I shave guess in, top yeah, of the you run, did. in the spring and yeah. through the summer. And uh-huh. the, harvest, kept, the harvest wasn't as plentiful as you thought. No. Uh, and the laborers were very few, too. <laughs> I kept thinking, hey, if I give it one more week, it'll get better. Yeah. And every week it got worse. So after, I don't know, probably yeah. 15 or 20 weeks of optimism, mm-hmm. I finally gave up. Yeah. All right. The cold truth of reality set in. And now your head is again a barren wasteland, a tundra, a veritable tundra. <laughs> Kyle, but you're going to go <clears throat> for the month of November, you're going to go hairless. On the top of your head, but hair full on the bottom of your chin. Yeah, so Andy Steiger and I are going to join the Who's people. Andy? Andy, Andy Steiger. Uh, author of, is that the author of the <laughs> book Thinking? Yes. He's so uh, hot right now. We, we sometimes get, since we're, we're, we're both bald, we sometimes get confused for one another, <laughs> which I, whenever it happens to me, I take as a compliment, because um, I think he's... He's a better looking guy than I am, and he has bigger biceps than I do. So that's good for me to be compared to Andy. Uh, but we're doing an experiment to see if uh, we sh- we don't shave a little bit for this month, or, and let that grow. If that further uh, visually distinguishes us, Kyle, I've seen you with a beard, and I'm going to say that there's uh, there's a bit of gray in that thing. Yeah, are yeah, you going to just for men that thing? No, no, no. It's, it's it's not gray. It's platinum blonde. Can you? Can you do it just for men? If I buy you just for men, will you just for men your beard? Uh, Please? Depends Please? how long it takes. I don't know. I've never done it before. Well, but it, I want it to be like black. I want nervous. it black. <laughs> can, I, can I get a blonde just for Ooh, men? Oh, that would be good. We a could do blonde, blonde, a blonde beard? beard for Kyle. That, that would be, be great. <laughs> <laughs> and we should do like a black one for Andy, like a pirate. <laughs> that would be good. Ooh, this is something we might try to do. On the podcast is to make sure that these two gentlemen have full beards that are distinguishing mm-hmm. significantly enough so that we don't confuse them as we walk through the hallways of our church. And this, uh, so November is the, um, what, prostate cancer awareness, which is why we grow mustaches and, and beards. Because they have, yeah, because the prostate and mustache, the same yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. And uh, last month was breast cancer awareness, but I think we have to have a, we have to have a month that's probably Star Wars awareness for Jeff, maybe. Yeah. Because of his yeah. reference this weekend. Uh, Jeff, your, your Star Wars reference, as you know, I've got a Darth Vader mug. You were bothered mug, by it. Darth Vader mug in my hand. There was a guy, when I was ta- telling the story mm-hmm. this weekend about how the ships mm-hmm. came down and landed on the, on the planet with the trees, there were people who were sitting there, like, barely able to contain themselves because they kept wanting to say, <laughs> Endor, Endor. It's Endor. And they're looking around right. saying, it's Endor. To all the people around them, it's Endor. It's Endor. Yeah. It was. Yes. And it wasn't 1978. 
Oh, I can't believe I got 1983. that wrong. 1983. No, no, no. That's the not first true. One was first one was in the 70s. Correct. But, but Endor land. and the Forest didn't show up till Return of the Jedi. Oh, my goodness. Do you know what this is proof of? That I'm li- a liar? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. Yeah. Anyway, good stuff. I just thought. I'd There's nothing better than the. There's Star nothing. Wars technicality. And then I talked about First Contact, and I made it clear that I was not talking about the Star Trek film. And every person who was so agitated about me not getting Endor <laughs> was was looking at, like, well, I don't really care about Star Trek because it's just a waste of my time. Like, honestly, First Contact was a, just ridiculous. Right. <laughs> Dude, James T. Kirk, James T. Kirk would bury Picard, wouldn't he? Do you guys know who I'm talking about with Picard? Yeah. Well, Kyle, he was bald, though. Kyle does. Yeah. Kyle knows. Kyle used to watch that show. You not did. That, not that much, actually. The Next Generation? The no, Star Trek Next Generation? So William Shatner yeah. would would take on Captain Picard. Oh, wait a minute. That's wrong. Yeah, because I was trying to out. make the reference to the Star Wars, and I got that. Oh, now. Now I'm going to oh. get emails. Now it's going to be... James now all the, Now all the... Now all the... I was trying to make a reference to the Star Wars movies, and I put James T. Kirk in there. Okay, so seriously, my so email what were you address, trying to say? What were you trying to say? I was trying to say uh, that Skywalker, Sky, okay. Luke, which one? Luke would take Anakin? on would like take on James T. Kirk and kick his or butt. Picard. You think so? Dude, James T. Kirk Without is a resourceful force. He's a resourceful or man. Fa- we got force on one side and phasers on the other you side. You know what? So. He's a resourceful guy. Oh. Okay, he Has, he's never died. The Kobayashi he, Maru. See. He cheated the system in order to defeat it. The undefeatable scenario. So I don't even know at that. The, oh my gosh. That's at the <laughs> beginning. <laughs> We're in a whole new opening, level of uh, honestly, we nerds the opening here. scene of the Wrath of Khan Star Trek Three. All right. Next. Okay. We're gonna move right. on. We're gonna get to some questions. There's, there's, here. there's yeah. like an abyss. One person. I'm out getting there. out of this black Kyle, hole. That Kyle just keep... jumped out of their seat when I said the Kobayashi Maru. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. There. Um, we have one question that's sent in by a listener who um, has a, a question about um, a missions organization. They, they have a loved one going off and, and uh, into this mission organization. And um, this missions organization talks about things uh, in, their, in their equipping for the mission trip. They talk about things like teaching how to heal the sick, things like teaching their team members how to re- receive a word of knowledge, how to hear from God, uh, and and uh, talks about the leaders even praying over them in impartation prayer. Uh, so, so there's the the listener has some concerns about this because their their loved ones are going off with this organization and they aren't sure that that these are good principles to have going into a uh, going on a mission trip to be able to learn how to heal the sick. Um, does this because the the listeners wondering if this these are biblical positions can we learn to heal the sick can we learn to receive a word of knowledge so these are these are the answers that he wants so i think we need to state some things that we agree on with people who would say uh that you can <clears throat> so- somehow follow a certain methodology and come to the conclusion uh that god is going to use your methods to heal somebody or give you a word of knowledge okay which is a big question that i want to address in a second, but here's, here's the theology I think we'd all agree with. I think that we agree that, um, because of the, the death uh, of Christ, the atonement, uh, and the resurrection from the dead, 
we all believe that Christ has inaugurated his kingdom, but it's not yet consummated. And part of the kingdom of God is his will being done on earth as it is in heaven. And <clears throat> I think that healing is part of that. I think that's a promise in, by his stripes we are healed, Isaiah 53, right? Can you explain the consummation part quick? Well, I'm saying consummation means that I think that we're between the times. So there's the time Jesus died and he rose again and he promises to return. Okay. Yeah. And at yes. his return, he's going to consummate that kingdom, meaning that, so he's inaugurated, he's begun it, but he hasn't yet completely finished right. it. So we, we, we're okay. already in the kingdom. We're not yet totally in the kingdom. One of the great examples of this, by the way, would, is uh, what in World War II, when the allies go and they win the decisive victory on and D-Day, but then they end up mopping up the rest of Europe after that. Right. Uh, yeah. so, so the victory is won. Basically, they're following through on, on the victory that's basically been won. But, you know, VE Day, Victory in Europe Day, hadn't happened yet. There's a gap between D-Day and VE Day. And that's kind of a similar, not perfectly, but similar to what's happened. Christ has won the victory mm-hmm. okay, over Satan, over the powers, over all those things. And he is going to bring all of his victory to completion. We live in between times when Europe is still in, you know what I mean, <laughs> it, it, mopping up the the uh, the re- the rebels and all that. Anyway, so my point is that Christ has already saved us, but not yet totally saved us. Christ has already brought his kingdom, not yet totally brought his kingdom. Christ has healed us, but not yet totally healed us, right? So there's a sense in which our healing is real and true in the present time, spiritually speaking, but physically completely not yet, but it will be. Right. So when people come along and they want a prayer, we say, yes, no, you will be, you will be healed. Whether God chooses to do that in the present time and bring his consummated kingdom forward, right, in time or not, is a choice that God, God makes. We appeal to God on the basis of what Christ has done mm-hmm. to be, that you be healed. And we pray for that. But that is ultimately a sovereign choice of God. And we shouldn't expect, listen, I'm, we shouldn't expect in the present time in the already not yet, okay? We we shouldn't expect heaven yeah. to be operating in the here and now all the time at every turn, okay? But some aspects of heaven will be, do you see I mean, That's why you pray. Your kingdom will come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, okay? Because it's not yet totally happening. Does that make sense? You guys are agreeing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Even when we get glimpses of God healing, like in Lazarus, Lazarus being raised from the dead, it's it wasn't the final resurrection that will come when Christ returns. His, his being raised was to life and amazing and a miracle and only by the, the power of the word of God, but he was to die again. Lazarus was. Right. So even the, the inbreaking of this kingdom that is guaranteed for us is only temporary in this time, even as it inbreaks. Right. So here's the thing. If that, if, if that theology, which I think is eminently biblical and really is the, the, wider framework of what the way the Bible's talking in the New Testament. So I'm, if that's the case, then it's really does inform a lot of the answers to the question. Uh, one of the answers to the question, okay, can, can we <clears throat> create a methodology that ends up moving God to heal, to bring his, his kingdom forward, his consummated kingdom forward in time? Mm. Is that the problem? Meaning that if we just follow the right steps, we can get God to do that. And the answer is, of course, not. By the way, this is, that's an animist approach, ultimately. I mean, yeah. that's what you're going to do. If you go to the witch doctor in some town somewhere in Africa, what he's going to give you is a series of uh, 
ways for you to ma- manipulate the spirit world. And if so, if you do this first and then that second or whatever that you can end up, you know, this is with book, book of spells type stuff. Mm. And then you can manipulate God, the gods mm-hmm. to do your bidding, to do what you, what you want. Uh, same thing with the hearing from God stuff. You can, you can, uh, either obligate or tune into God by following these particular steps. Nowhere in the scriptures does it teach this, either of these things at all. These, one of them is actually kind of pagan animism and, and, I, I don't think that I would follow any of that kind of thinking. And yes, I would be I would trouble. I would be trouble. My kids went somewhere, or my wife or somebody, and they were teaching that. I would try to correct that and say, actually, here's the kingdom. It's already. It's not yet. Right. We we seek God. We ask God, who is sovereign, mm-hmm. to break into now what He's going to ultimately bring forward. But that's up to Him how He does that, when He does that. And to be honest, words of knowledge and things these these things are are interrupting kinds of things anyway. Right. Right. Yeah. I think. Yeah. No, go ahead. Kyle. Yeah. A great principle is when Paul was traveling around, um, a great way for us to think about how to get our minds around some of these bigger picture questions in mm-hmm. Acts 17, he's uh, traveling with Silas and they, they leave one town, they go to this uh, town in Berea and they go to the synagogue where they talk to people about the fulfillment of the Jewish scriptures being in Christ uh, and then Paul or, or Luke in Acts seventeen eleven says, "Now these Jews who were in the synagogue were more noble than those in Thessalonica, where they just had come from. Why were they more noble? They received the word with eagerness, which is good. You know, Paul is bringing a word from God as as an apostle. Yeah, they received it with eagerness, but their eagerness was while they were examining the scriptures daily mm. to see if these things were so. So they didn't simply say, "Oh, here is a messenger of God. Therefore, everything he says is." true, we're going to see if this messenger of God matches previous messengers of God, and that's uh, primarily in the scriptures. Right. So you're, you're saying that they don't, that, that this has no scriptural warrant, or the, the, the viewpoint that you can uh, get God to heal based on using certain methods or, you know, an order of events or things like that. You can't position yourself in a place where God can heal. No, what I'm, I'm saying is you want to look at the, with any teaching, and this is just one example of any teaching, whether it's here at Northview or anywhere else, uh, the scriptures are the final uh, court of arbitration in that sense. Okay, so what we want sp- to be able to- Right. So how the Bereans have looked at, like they were listening to Paul's teaching and, and comparing that with the word that they already had in the scriptures mm-hmm. that they already had. And they were comparing going, okay, yeah, this reconciles here. This makes sense. So when we hear something like somebody coming along saying, "Hey, I can teach you how to heal people, Kyle. Like you, I can give, I can give you the spiritual gift of healing." Mm-hmm. We should look at the scriptures and go, "Hmm, that actually doesn't happen anywhere in scripture. So why in the world would I believe that this guy could do that for me?" Is that so, yeah? So healing. I mean, yeah. God can and does heal, but it's right. a gift and it's His prerogative of of how and when. Right. ultimately to, to do that. Right. There's nowhere in scripture that we see somebody having a, or learning from somebody else how to heal. Okay. So what do you guys right? do? If somebody goes through this whole process though, they go to a school that teaches you, no, no, you can learn how to heal. By the mm-hmm. way, there's, there's a text that does talk about a process that one should go through in the present age in order to be healed. And it's in James, yes. right? You're supposed to come to the elders yes. and have, receive prayer, and there's right. things that are said in that passage. So there is something to be said about, yes, there is a kind of a process that's given there. But 
<clears throat> what do you say to somebody who goes away to a school and they don't teach the James kind of, hey, bring your people to the elders and the believing prayer will, you know, heal. They instead say, if you follow these certain protocols, these certain approaches, you, you too can have the ability to heal just like, you know, whatever. And then it works. What, what do you guys do and what do you say to something like that? Like, how do you explain that? Because that's really the driving force behind this. You know, if it never, if it never actually happened, mm-hmm. if God didn't use these people who are being taught these things to actually heal someone, they, no, nobody would ever go or listen to them. So they have some stories or examples and have people who have received some healing or uh, actual, let's take the word of knowledge, they've received actual words of knowledge and the Lord has apparently given them that ability. So what do you do? Isn't the proof in the pudding? Not not totally. I mean, I think you can look at those examples and thank God for the healing and thank God for uh, the encouragement and things that do come true from that and the blessings that are 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 from that. Uh, but the outcome doesn't necessarily justify the, the way that the outcome was achieved. What does it justify? The outcome? Yeah. The outcome, uh, I would look at that and say, God is kind and good mm-hmm. and he does heal and and praise him for that. Yeah, and that he uses people in our silliness oftentimes to do it. Right. Because God is kind and right. and things. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, see, that's my, I think that's my thing. I, mean, I, th- I, th- I preached a sermon about a year ago, I guess, something like that, where I talked about the, the fleeced, Gideon's fleece. Yeah, right. Right. Mm-hmm. And this, I, I really love the passage because Gideon goes out and he does this fleece, which is, I mean, it's, it's, it's sinful according to Deuteronomy for him to do the dumb, do the thing. But he, he's sort of new at the Christian stuff. He doesn't, I mean, he's, he's living in a, in an idolatrous culture. He probably, you know, his dad, I think was a Baal worshiper. And so you know, like, he's, he's a very mixed up dude. And yet the Lord uses this guy's kind of pagan action in order to, give instruction to him, right? Um, that's in line with the Lord's will. I'd say the same thing about the witch of Endor, right? Where, where Saul goes and he asks, hey, can you drag up Samuel? Goes to the witch. Can you drag up Samuel? I don't think that that passage is teaching that, you know, if you really want to talk to somebody who died a while ago, you should do a seance. Right. Right. I don't think that that passage is teaching that. Yeah. And nor is it endorsing it, nor is it endorsing a fleece. Mm-hmm. It's just saying that God, isn't God really remarkably kind in the way that he, he condescends to us in our kind of silliness sometimes. So we, on the one hand, can thank God for his grace and kindness. On the other hand, we, we don't tacitly approve of the, of the activity and say, this is, this is the thing, right? We go back to the scriptures, like Kyle said, I think we go back to the scriptures of the Bereans. We say, well, what does the Bible teach regarding how, how we should understand healing and words of knowledge and things? So if you are, um, if you are this, this listener and you have this loved one who's gone off already and is off with this organization uh, and they're calling back home and stuff and you have concerns about their theology, how do you approach those conversations? Uh, gently. Mm-hmm. Well, the power of an experience is huge, isn't it? I mean, like you should oh. go <laughs> off to another land or something and you mm-hmm. see God work in ways and you see God work even through like fleeces and these other things that we wouldn't go back to the scriptures and... Yeah see as being, you know, things that you should follow, but God, so I, the power of an experience is, is quite remarkable. I, I, I would, 
I would probably wait and give op- have opportunities to to talk this through and try to point people to the scriptures and th- and and but never condemn. I don't condemn people who've had experiences that of great growth with God, right through a, cer- a certain kind of uh, means. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't automatically like endorse the means and say oh, isn't that great because this ten- the temptation right is to principalize our experience to say hey I had this experience this so everybody else needs to have it too. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to understand what's going on in the heart of a person in that moment, don't you? Aren't they? I mean, I'm thankful that God uses all sorts of means to to bring renewal in our lives. And so, like, can God use renewal of a trip overseas where this sort of thing thought? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think there's a time where there's going to be correction brought and stuff like that. I just I, I want to celebrate the good stuff before bringing yep. critique. I do want to bring the critique. I just I, I do want to celebrate how God is kind. Mm-hmm. in those things and point to him and point to his, at least that's my approach. I don't know, Kyle, what, what does a bald man say about that? Uh, this, this bald man concurs with your, your insight. Yeah. You want to thank God for how he works and recognizing that we are all broken vessels and we all need to grow. And he uses many different ways to get our attention. And the, the, the witch of Endor story, I mean, part of the interesting things about thing about that story is how, the event got Saul's attention, um, but it also got the witch's attention because <laughs> she is shocked that this actually worked. Yeah, and so in in a way, it's it's hopefully awakening her to deeper realities yep. and that there is one God over Israel, um, and that she can hopefully she could have grown through that as well. Yep. And she led the Ewoks in their evil. Dude, no kidding. Pagan Why worship. is it that it was named Endor that <laughs> thing? You're the, what do you mean you don't know? Why? I, you haven't well, I read know, 15 blogs about this? No. All I know, I know that Lucas, uh, in a lot of, I mean, Star Wars is a mishmash of religious ideas all brought together, including things like Gnosticism, which is like the force and all mm-hmm. that. It's all symbolic of all that. So Sort of Buddhist, isn't it? Yeah. So he takes in, he takes in um, different ideas from different religions, different phrases, words even, that kind of gets all mixed in there. So my guess is he actually got that word um, from scripture. Somebody was probably talking about this oh, yeah. this story or something. He was like, "Oh yeah, I'm going to name." So one more question before we move on to the second George thing. I have like. a question for you, yeah. uh, Star Wars guy. Oh. Um. What? Why do Star Wars people freak out about the first the 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 second three <laughs> movies that were made? So there's the first three right. originals, and then there's the there's the prequels, the yep. three prequels, mm-hmm. which I thought were actually good movies. Was I really wrong about that? Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Seriously, I, I <laughs> really? don't. Really? I don't. Good by what standard? I don't get. Well, they're kind of well made. They're good storytelling. They're oh, were they not well made? Well, oh my gosh! Better, did I just better I just, visual effects than the did, first three? I, I just but, offended you. No, no, no. It's it's what's the story. Here, Weaves together quite well. It's quite yeah. nice, and and the, the metachlorian thing. <laughs> oh, dude, does that bother you? See here, here's see. Oh. There's there's one of the ideas that was <clears throat> totally taken out of another religion, right? You have this, you have this woman who's apparently a virgin who gives birth to this baby who's supposed to bring balance to the forest, right? So they've they've taken the the virgin birth idea, yeah, and kind of mixed it all up. Uh, and what's your deal with the Jar Jar Binks, though? I don't get it. What's why you so here's, mad at him? Misa no understands us all you. Part of the disappointment with the prequels, I think, is that like P- 
people my age-ish who yeah. saw... I'm your age. Okay. And me. People who saw them... Yeah, saw, I saw them in the episode late four, 70s. five, and six. Yep. Saw them in our childhood. There's this deep sense of, of nostalgia connected to those. And so I think we look back on the experience of Star Wars and watching the films and seeing the story progress, and we, we over-optimize a little bit how good that was. Mm-hmm. As, I mean, they're great. I love them. Still do. My daughter just a couple days ago wanted to watch episode four, and we didn't get around to it. But anyway, so they're, they're great films. But I think we overestimate it because it's nostalgia. It's part of our childhood. It's part of a growing up story. And then when we see the, the prequels being made, and they don't meet that overly optimistic nostalgia. In, in what way did they not meet that, though? Well, I think the acting left a bit to be okay. desired. Well, really? script uh, writing. Episode, no, no, no. Just hold on. Episode Goodness four. Gracious. With hold on. With, so you did, you didn't like the acting in those in those, but but you did really like the acting during <laughs> during the scene when Luke Mark Hamill, no! who of course is the greatest actor ever, is trying to compl- say realizes that that Darth is his dad. It's impossible. Yeah. Yeah. How would you respond? You go on YouTube. Seriously, go on YouTube, right? Go on YouTube. <laughs> Anybody facial, listening right now, go his on YouTube. Facial contortions. Yeah. Need to. His facial oh, contortions are, are He's an theatrical awful art. actor. He's awful. His facial, the, the, the way his, his lower lip like quivers and turns in. Jar Jar Binks for president. Oh, dear. Misa likes him. <laughs> now, here's. Oh, man. Uh, what were you going to say? We know you know we have to do like icebreaker stuff. You do two truths and a lie or something or two lies or whatever. I can't remember how it goes. But one of the things I say sometimes is I met uh, Luke Skywalker before he became Luke Skywalker. Did you? Yeah. You, you knew met- Mark Hamill? I didn't know him. Where but, did you meet him? But uh, I was born in Southern California and the house a couple doors down, they were filming like a soap opera or something in the mid- early to mid yeah. 70s. Yeah. So Mark Hamill was on this, this TV show, and so the news was there, and me being a little kid down the street walked up, and evidently, I haven't seen it, but evidently there's a picture in the Los Angeles Times of me with Mark Hamill if anybody before can, he became If Skywalker. anybody can find this picture, we will <laughs> yes. give you a free copy of Andy's book. <laughs> so I met Mark Hamill, oh, I met Luke man. Skywalker before he became Luke Skywalker. This is, this is great. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. That's like one of two things that I'm famous that for. That dude hasn't been and able I can't to remember live the down other. that role his whole life. Same thing with Jason Alexander and George Costanza. You can't, you know what? You can't be anything else. Well, That's it. You're done. But So how, how was Harrison Ford able to do so many other things? Yeah. It's pretty impressive. Mm. I think the, that's the Indiana Jones effect right there. <laughs> it it propel, catapults you to other roles. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we should get to one more question. Okay. Okay. So a few a few weeks ago we talked about we were talking about the Disney movies how Jeff's favorite is Incredibles all oh. stuff like that because there's the um, and we were talking about uh, things uh, that are created in this world being uh, inherently evil if if there if that's possible can something that's created be evil well somebody um, one of our listeners sent in a question about things like music and you've got um, people out there such as Marilyn Manson or, uh, I don't know, White, White Zombie, I guess, would be somebody from about a decade ago. Who I'm sorry, what? You, I've never, I have never heard, never of, White heard of White Zombie, no. Come, yeah, you have. No, I haven't. What? No, what is White Zombie? Rob Zombie. Is that his name? Rob Zombie, yeah. There's a dude whose name is Rob Zombie. <laughs> it's, but it's a, that's, that's like a stage name, right? 
Like I'm Marilyn guessing. Manson is a stage yeah, name. Yeah, totally. I'm guessing it is, yeah. Isn't and Marilyn Alice Manson, Cooper. just by the way, the same guy who was in Doogie Howser, MD? I think uh, so. No, I think I'm right Doogie about himself? this. himself? No, no, I think I'm right about this. I th- No, the, his friend, his little skinny friend is oh, Marilyn Manson. Maybe. Anyway, somebody I else should verify that for me. Go ahead okay. and continue with your question. There's a lot of cultural questions in this yep. podcast today. So, okay, so this idea of there being things such as music that are inherently evil because you've got the artist himself claiming things to be like um, a priest in the church of Satan, things like that. Mm-hmm. And then you have people who claim experiences when they listen to the music of seeing uh, demonic activity while they're listening to it. I, I've heard this of people listening to the doors and seeing a poster of Jim Morrison talk to them or uh, things like this. So there's all sorts of things that people will say, oh, you shouldn't listen to that. It's evil. It should be thrown away or burned or destroyed. Mm-hmm. So when we get into, you know, something that, you know, uh, if you have an, like, so an idol that's created and you're mm-hmm. sitting on your shelf and it's just a piece of wood or just a piece of metal that looks like something and you aren't worshiping it, but is it different? It's, is it different when it's something created that is actually having a message to it? So I mean, yeah, there's this whole series of questions here. Yeah. One, one of my takes is I, I don't know if there's, um, if you can give me a, a massively overt evidence that like demons attach themselves to physical objects. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know. Listen, I'm, I, if somebody wants to make that argument, I would really be interested to hear it, but I just don't, I'm, I'm skeptical about that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's scant evidence biblically about it. Okay. Scant, scant evidence about it. So there are places where people burn their idols. I'm thinking about in Acts. I think Acts 19 is what mm-hmm. Kyle said earlier. Acts 19. Yep. So here are these people who burn their idols. And I think the burning yep. of the idols, though, is more a sign of repentance and a turning away from their old manner of life. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't say anything about whether or not that idol actually has like a demon attached to it or anything. We, that's just not, right. it's not included in, in the story, right. the storyline. You have actually Paul at one point saying, we know that these are not, these are not gods and stuff like that. When he talks about food sacrificed to idols. So mm-hmm. what am I saying? I'm saying, I, I don't, I don't know. I think that you, I think that you can use lots of really, lots of, uh, amoral or non-moral things like music, yeah. like whatever, in order to do immoral things. Right. Yeah. So I, 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 the music itself, the CD itself, the CD is just a thing, right? The wood itself right. is not to me the the issue. It's what it's used for. Mm-hmm. And so if you're using that thing for uh, the worship of demons or whatever, then I think you should repent. Mm-hmm. But if you had, you know, if if you went to Africa and you picked up a mask or something like that and you put it in your house, I don't, I don't necessarily think that that is you know, embedded with some sort of evil demon in it it yes was it used that way yes now what i'd be interested is if i think if ezra were here he'd probably want to want to debate that or or he probably would have a different take on i've talked to him before about that and he's a little bit more like wary of it just because culturally Mm -hmm. when you come to faith in christ and you really want to show demonstrate that you are turning away from your former manner of life you get rid of all the worship icons that you have and that those sorts of things were worship icons but in the west i just don't think we worship I don't think we, we use those to worship things. If you are, uh, yeah. So I, that's what I heard you say. I heard yeah. you say that sometimes people do that. 
Um, is Marilyn Manson's album like inherently bad? Yeah, it's probably mm-hmm. demon. It's probably about demon possession and the songs are that well, way. And for that reason, yeah. I think that you should probably abstain. Right. And there's a lot of, I mean, when you get into media, there's a lot of music in particular that's out there that we shouldn't listen to because as we listen to it, it um, there's there's messages in it that just isn't good for our health. It isn't good for our mind. It isn't good for our, our language. Uh, we should be dwelling on things that are, good and beautiful and but um when does that mean that yeah like you said that there's inherently like um demonic activity involved with it no but there are things that aren't for our benefit they aren't they aren't beneficial to us yeah, that's a good point believers that's a good link by the way no first corinthians i think nine yeah Right, is all things permissible to me? Yeah, but right. not not all things are beneficial. Right. Yeah. So, and that's and that's the question we're asking here. It's like, should should you be doing something? And is it ben, is it going to benefit you? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that also, in that First Corinthians book, Paul talks about idols as being nothing in the sense that they're just wood, wood that's carved or stone that's carved. So it's just something that actually God made ultimately. Um, so it, that's all that it is. But in that same letter, he says, um, "Don't, but don't use that in the way that it's." used by the culture or by the religion as a way to, to worship um, the gods or to offer sacrifices to the gods in order to gain things from the gods because behind every idol, idol there's a demon. So mm-hmm. if, if the trajectory of that stone and wood is used by you to gain access to the spiritual realm or spiritual power, uh, then that's not healthy. <laughs> that's not good. That should be avoided. So if music is used as a way for you to detach from reality or to focus on you know, greed or whatever, um, or a rebellion, then that's not good. That's, that's harmful. Mm. But if music is used, uh, by the person who writes it and person who is listening to it as a way to recognize God's gift of music and hearing and song and all these different things, then it can be used to worship God. So, I mean, years ago, I had a friend who said to me, uh, you know, the A chord in guitar, right? You play an A chord. It's just an A chord, but you can play the, you can play the A chord, in in glory to God, and you can play the A chord in worship to say Satan. The the chord itself is not to be blamed for that. Do, do you see what I mean? It's yeah. the intent of the author in doing it. And I, in some ways, it's always guided my thinking in some of this. That I, I always mm-hmm. want to know. Okay, what's the thing used for? Because right. again, it's just wood. What what's it being used? What's the motive behind behind it? And I'd say the same thing for us when we're talking about. A lot, we get a lot of questions about culture and things. Yeah. And I, I don't know. If necessarily music or uh, movies or whatever are positive or negative things, I just, they're just cultural forms. Uh, but that, those forms can be used for both for positive and negative things. And somebody can use the same video, uh, a vi- you know, using a video camera and broadcast it everywhere, and they can use it to tell a story about, that's redemptive and beautiful and in line with God. That's beneficial to people. You could also tell a story. That's the opposite. That's, you know, about hating God and these sorts of things. I, I just want people to be able to first to be able to evaluate what's being said through these cultural forms first and then make their decisions about whether or not it's something that you want to spend your time listening to. Um, and some things I think that we would all, I, honestly, I think most thinking Christians, I mean, sensitive Christians would say, you know what, you should abstain from that kind of thing. And I, for me, Marilyn Manson sort of goes down that, that path. But I'd be interested to hear someone's argument about it hmm. the other way, which I, I, I'm very skeptical that you're going to be able to convince me that Marilyn Manson writes, has written music and things that's going to be uplifting and beneficial to you. No. 
but I haven't listened to the yeah. entire Marilyn Manson no, for sure. catalog. No. Mostly because no. I thought Doogie Howser was, that was just a rubbish <laughs> show. <laughs> Dude, it is, I'm telling you, it is the guy. For, it's got to be. I don't have a computer here with me, but it's, it's got to be. You don't have, don't you need, you need the computer with like the no. green screen and the. Just think about that. that If that's the case, dude, if that's the case, then the guy who's Neil Patrick Harris, who played Doogie Howser, Mm -hmm. boy, he's had like a like a a completely different kind of career trajectory. And then Marilyn Manson. Mm -hmm. So that's weird. That is weird. So (laughs) these are fun cultural facts with Jeff. And uh, that is your podcast for today. So if you have more questions for the extra team, please send them in uh, extra at northview.org. And we'll be happy to get to them uh, in the upcoming weeks. If not, um, we will see you on Sunday or Saturday, whatever, uh, whatever service that you come to. Enjoy your candy corn. Yeah. Yeah. Glad you had uh, a good Halloween, hopefully. Did you cut? Yeah, I gave away a lot of candy. It was fun. Yeah. And then asking kids like who they were and seeing how they how they describe they their costume. They were like, my mom put this on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally. All right, everyone. Have a good week. See you later.